0: I'm kind of skeptical of New Year's resolutions. I've never, I've never liked the idea. I don't know if I've ever... I, I used to do them and I never succeeded.
1: Well, and I think most people don't, but I do love goals and I think they're so important. But I, I think if you're going to actually set a goal... It needs to be pretty near and dear to your heart and you need to take it pretty seriously. If you're going to bother setting it otherwise, I think yeah, just if, you're, don't bother. if you're
0: just failing on goals all the time. That's not going to put you in a good place as a person, you know, and like setting unachievable goals, you know, cause people always like, like, it's the joke that like gold's gyms busiest day of the week or two weeks is like the first two weeks of every year. Cause everyone's going to go to the gym and try to lose 80 pounds. And you know, like, I don't know.
1: Well, maybe I mean our, our topic today isn't going to be on goals, but maybe we could talk yeah, about it. We should, it just we should clarify.
0: We'll we'll chat about it a little bit. I don't know. Do you get? I, don't know, I know it's not a hot take to say that New Year's resolutions are stupid, and and like stupid's maybe a bit strong of a word. But like, do you get where I'm coming from there? I do,
1: but I really hope all our writers do take some time to make some goals for next season, and whether they do it today at New Year's or sometime over the winter, I think it's something that's just super important that they do.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. right we'll
1: jump in.
0: As always, we want to thank our sponsor, the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. Why do portfolios of large institutions, endowments and pensions look so different than the portfolios of high net worth individuals and families? The philosophy at the Norden Group is that you should invest your portfolio like an institution. This approach leads to complete transparency. Some key questions to ask yourself. What do I really own? How much am I paying in fees? What costs am I paying that are not disclosed? Would I be better off in a low cost index fund? At the Norden Group, we conduct what is called a portfolio audit, which can help reveal these and other important details. Call us to set up your appointment. Yeah. Th- thanks, as always, to uh, to the Norden Group. You know, like uh, it's it's really cool that somebody actually supports this. You know, mm-hmm. I I I I can't tell you how much we appreciate that. You know, like it makes. I mean, like it would be an exaggeration to say that this wouldn't be possible without them. But like, it'd kind of suck. You know, it it'd be a drag. Like it's it's good to have support. So as always, if you have seven or eight figures of investable income, they're the folks you want to talk to. Uh, if your New Year's resolutions are financial. Don't listen to us, listen to them How about that? <laughs> um, we have a few different things we want to go over today It's, it's odd doing an episode on the first day of the new year um, We'll chat about resolutions a bit We are going to have a bit of a retrospective on 2022 Uh, We did a little bit of a survey, got some feedback on how people felt about their last season. We'll do some fun reminiscing. And then we do actually have a a standard meat and potatoes, boring training topic today, too. So so don't worry about that. But for the first quiz of the new year, Dan, we are going to talk about the GOAT of uh, mountain biking, not cycling. I think you could say the best mountain biker of all time, or at least you could argue that. Certainly the best cross-country rider of all time. Oh, a quiz about myself? Nice. Yeah, a quiz about Dan Draper. Uh-huh. Um, no, so N- Nino Schurter. Who I, I mean, we don't talk about Nino as much as we used to. We go back five years and everything was about him, and I do think that his his grip on the cross-country world isn't as strong as it used to be, but he's still probably the best on any given day. I mean...
1: And he's still just amazingly consistent. I mean, he gets beaten occasionally nowadays where he didn't used to get beat ever um and
0: well you remember in 2017 he had he had the perfect well people say the perfect season but i'm enough of a nerd to remember he won all of the world cups swiss championship and the world title but he did not win europeans european championships went to Florent vogel that year so i don't know i it's close enough for the perfect season but he's 36 now which isn't old but in the cycling world that's definitely puts you on the especially for men Especially for men. Is that really, is that a thing? Oh, yeah, is, yeah. Women can be on the top a little longer?
1: Yes, they can, definitely, into their 40s.
0: Because, like, you you see, there are plenty of, like, world tour level cyclists in their 40s. I mean, there are a handful, but, you know, none of them are dominating. It seems like they're getting, it's, like, younger and younger that people dominate now, huh?
1: It seems so, but, yeah, women usually can dominate later into their lives than
0: men can, so. Huh, well, anyway, we're going to have three questions about Nino Schurter today, and to kick it off, so um, I should
1: do pretty well on these because, like, Nino's like the only professional cyclist that I actually know know anything about. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely my favorite.
0: Okay, well, well, out of the gates, how many rainbow jerseys does Nino have? This is something that has been mentioned on the podcast before, but I doubt you'll remember.
1: Okay, so that's World Championships. That yes, World, ch-
0: not World Cup overalls. World Championships. How many? How many times has he won the wow. rainbow jersey?
1: I want to guess. I want to say three. But that's pro- no, no, it's probably way more than that. Did they do the world championship every year?
0: Yes, that's the whole point. Okay.
1: Like 10?
0: Yes, 10. He has won 10 rainbow jerseys in 2009, 2012, 2013, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018,
1: 2019, 2021, 2022.
0: So he didn't, oh, and he didn't do it in 2020, did he? Or. <laughs> um, no, there was... Um, or did it not happen? I don't remember. I think it happened, but he didn't win. Hmm. No, because Jordan Saru won one of those years.
1: Hmm. Nino had the COVID or something.
0: Who knows? And then he's won the the World Cup overall, which I do think is technically the more impressive feat. World Cup overall, of course, is like having the highest average score at World Cups. Um, he's won that eight times. Okay. Crazy stuff. Second question here, Nino has ridden for the same team for his entire career. Um, it, essentially, his entire career as a professional. Um, it's been called a lot of different things. Right now it's Scott Sram. It used to be Scott Odlow. Been a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, who runs that team? This is Nino and Kate's coach. This guy is one of the greatest oh, mountain bikers of all time himself. Oh, Thomas Frischnick. Good job. Yeah. I didn't think you'd actually get that. No.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. Well, like back in the old days, he was a, you know, he was a big mountain bike racer back in the old days. And so his name kind of pretty easy to remember. But yeah, that's he, a
0: name you should know. Really interesting guy. Yeah. Yeah. Final question for you here. This is a, this is kind of a gear question. Which unusual standard did Nino use for a long time that very few other people used?
1: Oh, okay. I know this. He, you know this? he rode twenty-seven-five a lot he longer. Did. Than he did. He was like the
0: did. first one to adopt it and the last one to let it go. Yeah. You know, back when everybody thought twenty-seven-five would be the standard, and then it kind of a few people did it for a minute, and then I think it was. He rode that all the way up until the... the pre, so the current Scottspark, I think the one before that, when that one came out and they launched it at the La World Cup, I want to say 2016, that was the first race he did on 29-inch wheels. Hmm. So, yeah. Good. Wow. That's three, yeah, that, three, three, for three for three. That's the first time I've ever I've ever been able to... Just to, to be
1: just, funny, I was going to say flat pedals, but...
0: Flat pedals. Yeah, that'd be funny. You know, it just rocks up in like 5.10s <laughs> <tens> or something. <laughs> He, he could, the, one of the most fascinating questions for me is like, what kind of gear would you have to put Nino on for me to beat him in a race? Like, it would have to be like a Walmart bike or something, right? You know, like, do you think, because Nino could easily beat us with flat pedals or Nino could probably beat me on a road bike in a cross-country race. Like, what, <laughs> what bike do you think we'd have to put Nino on? He'd probably have to run. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I you know Nino's 36. I hope he has another four world titles in him. He's, he's fun to watch. Not much of a personality, like off the bike, you know. He you definitely. Oh, but he does
1: have flair on. the bike. He has
0: tons of flair on. The, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, you ever seen an interview with Nino?
1: Yeah, it's a little boring, but you, but on the bike, he just he just has so much flair. It's beautiful. Yeah,
0: you know, it's cool to exist in a time where like you're watching the goat. Like it's almost like like Michael Jordan. Was he's a the Michael of,
1: Jordan of mountain bike. Yeah,
0: because like you you were into basketball in the 80s or however long ago you were a kid uh, when Michael Jordan was the best. And it's kind of fun to be you know.
1: Yeah, and it's cool to think that nobody's better than Michael Jordan, even still.
0: Oh, some people think LeBron's getting close, yeah, but he's not. He doesn't have the same flair. Definitely not the same flair. Yeah. So, anyway, um, we want to look back a little bit on the 2022 season. I should ask, like, how do you, how do you feel about the 2022 season? Satisfied. Left some stuff on the table.
1: You know, for me personally, or for me? for Mabry? you personally, for me personally, oh, it, it could have been way better. Okay. Yeah, I was a little disappointed. Okay. Um, you know, I I. I absolutely stunk on ice on my target event, you know, and, um, and there's a few things that, you know, I I don't know. I think I just, I trained a lot. I didn't recover very well. I never trained very hard. Um, there's definitely things I could have done better.
0: Okay. For, for Maybird, how do you feel about the 2022 season?
1: Couldn't be happier. I'm just so proud of our writers. I mean, just kids were getting better, writing hard, having fun together, yeah, it it was awesome, super super stoked about the the Maybird writers.
0: It was great. You know, I'm I'm good. You feel feel good about. It. I'm 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 glad that like we did a a little survey on Instagram, just saying like, hey, what was the best part of 2022? What was the hardest day? What was your favorite? You know, uh, I want to run over those. I do actually want to read all of them. Um, they were kind of interesting. I've I've been reading them through the day as they've come as they've come out. Uh, the first question we asked was. Um, uh, what is uh what was the best race course of twenty twenty two and and really quick uh what what was yours
1: well there's no better race course in the world than the point to point race course i think if that's that counts
0: fair. i think that's fair it's also sadistic and psychotic but yeah what what are some other like honorable mentions for you
1: you know I love the missoula race course i um yeah missoula is probably my my second favorite
0: you know snowbird i love Snowbird's snowbird. Rough, it's rough it's yeah. rough but it's cool
1: it's a little too brutal for me little yeah little it, it doesn't it play to my strengths
0: the true grit course i say that but i guess i only like parts of it that yeah i like part the sucks. parts
1: you don't like
0: yeah that's, that's i like the stooky springs boring part it's kind you know of like, emblematic of our relationship huh yeah no um and, and i want to read the the responses we got miles o'neill said snow basin Oh, that's good. Snow Basin. That's a great one. I think an underappreciated one. We had uh, Isaac Boyden, Arkansas, um, uh, U.S. Cup, U.S. Yeah, Pro Cup course. It's, it's cool out there. Lots of good feedback on that one. Uh, we had, um, let's see, Nika, St. George, uh, Cedar City, Nika from Jace Reber, Joe Cochran, Missoula. Another another crowd pleaser, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we go. I'll just read the the Instagram handles. I don't know who all these are. Seth KK says snowbird. So glad to see somebody's in uh, in same space of mind as I am. Nina Martin, cactus hugger, or frog hollow. Frog hollow. That's another one I've never done.
1: And I think it's the same. It's it's similar course to cactus hugger. I think.
0: Okay, close so enough.
1: I, I need to do that sometime.
0: Amy Draper, frog hollow, Isaac Parr, Oz Trails U.S. Cup. That's a popular. I need to get out there. I need to ride Arkansas. It's good, it's, right?
1: It's it's really cool. Yeah okay the thing is though the the race course out there was probably was not the best trails out there like if you just go out there and ride the race course you're missing out
0: big oh time. interesting yeah. hmm. okay uh cole horner snowbird ICUP, cup uh andrew draper missoula uh P- pip star that's piper, piper probably thing. right yeah cedar city uh oh, cedar city
1: is an awesome course it is it's three underrated peaks. three peaks is really fun it's
0: it's underrated i like that one I, the riding like, in cedar city is actually pretty decent. it's like
1: racing on a playground
0: yeah lots of fun there uh nathaniel jensen says frog hollow again frog hollow um emma iz shep i don't know who that is that's um, emma shepherd emma shepherd okay Good writer.
1: yeah
0: uh powder mountain I cup that's another one. i love that one oh, but only Mountain's in the fall
1: beautiful. no only it's in the fall. beautiful it's it's anytime. beautiful
0: year round but I, I love when they used to do it in the fall that was one of my go-to's Jake Broussard, Soldier Hollow, Miles Baker, Moab. Uh, uh, let's see. C. C Delicious says uh, Snowbird. It's Colin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Zach Pulley, Snowbird, Sam Kilbert, Powder Mountain, Eye Cup. Let's see here. This is. I didn't realize we had this many. I don't know if we'll be okay. I'm going back to my promise. We're not going to read everybody's, but I'll, I'll give you the highlights. Um, and then the last one, um, Snow Basin. Beautiful. The next question that we had for people was, what was your hardest day of 2022? And Dan, I think we can guess what yours was. Yeah. Yeah, point to point. I think if you did point to point, your answer is not point to point. You're wrong. You know, there's not a whole lot of like events in the cycling world that are harder. Uh, we had uh, Frog Hollow. Somebody said clockwise Cascade Springs plus Alpine Super Loop, uh, 118 miles and 12,000 feet of elevation from Isaac wow. Boyden.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: That's huge.
1: I want to do that. That sounds fun.
0: Yeah, he's giving Dan some ideas here. Um, again, we probably I hadn't, we have way more than I expected. Uh, we had somebody say knee surgery. Mm. That's true. That sucks, man. Like big injuries. Yeah, injuries like that. are tough. Uh, Brady Preston snowboard climb. That's fair. That climb. That sucks. Joe Cochran says Arkansas It's cool when your your uh, you know favorite race and your hardest day are the same thing, huh? Arkansas short track in particular. Oh, oh
1: interesting.
0: And then let's see. We had. The last day of the 2022 season was the hardest day. That's fair. Oh. I feel that. I feel that. I'm struggling, you know. That um, was
1: yesterday for me.
0: Gosh, you suck.
1: I um, did my last ride at like 9 o'clock at night.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, Haley Niffs is breaking my thumb, rupturing tendons. Again, more injuries. That sucks. Uh, let's see. Richfield, uh, Nike race from Zach Pulley. State. Lots of people said states. Several people said state champs. Um, the one that's funny. Who's a P, P Her P Herbuler on Instagram? P P H E R B U L E R. I'm not. sure I don't know who that is. Whoever you're listening, if that's your Instagram handle, you said October 21st, which puzzled me. I have no idea what October 21st was. Is that was that states or I don't know. Is shoot
1: around, us. Is around states. I,
0: shoot us a yeah. message on Instagram. Tell us what that was. Um, let's see. Uh, the next question we had was the biggest cycling achievement. And this was kind of fun. Um, Dan, yours has to have been finishing point to point, right?
1: Um, I, yeah, I guess. Cause I really shouldn't have finished it, but I did anyway, but my, what was, was another question like your favorite event of,
0: uh, yeah, that was the first one favorite best race course of 2022. Okay let's see i did a whole bunch i did too many i probably should have done like three i just got excited yeah. it was fun to think about we said
1: my when i redid point to point and, and just had an awesome day that was probably my highlight ride of the year but i think that might have been another question that you asked. yeah
0: well, well we'll get through brady Preston saying finding my speed again that's great you know like i think i think those are like achievement doesn't have to be you know i got third at this race or whatever like my achievement every year is just that i'm still doing this you know uh, lots of people i I, don't, I can't shout out all of them we have uh, like 30 here just like specific placements and races if you had a race you felt really good about this year congratulations that's really awesome you know i'll shout out alex DeFishboy. i don't know who that is but it says winning a race that's always a good feeling hang on to that um but then also knows like again piper saying being able to see noticeable improvements that's awesome and she you did know? she yeah. had a great season andrew said uh the kids i coached killed freshman a that's cool too if you're a coach that's their achievements are yours October 21st was states was states Uh, okay
1: well there you go it was a Friday
0: so okay well hey congratulations to whoever's Instagram I need to to learn who these Instagram handles are huh Um, tons and tons and tons Uh, Sam Kilbert shout out there starting and finishing every race this year with a broken hand that's something Uh, the next question was your most ridden trail this year which actually I think kind of ended up being the most interesting question we couldn't I couldn't decide what mine was my guess is the new bit of shoreline north of Parley's didn't you kind of concur on that?
1: Well, I, I put a different answer on mine. I I put um, flat cable because I like because that's how I usually get into Park City.
0: But probably not truly your most ridden trail, right? But I
1: did ride that new Shoreline
0: a lot a just lot. because it was
1: like the only trail that's open early in the season. So
0: super close to people said um, I'll say off the bat like t- like ten people said Quarry Temple Quarry, you know which I I should have expected. And
1: I didn't ride Temple Quarry once last season.
0: Are you serious? Yeah. How's that possible?
1: I don't know I just don't it's kind of short and it's it's kind of crowded so I don't go there a whole lot no that's fair I love it though
0: but Isaac Boyden said Lost Lad or Road to Acrolon Uh, let's see I'm again I'm just doing the highlights here Joe Cochran also said Lost Lad Um, Brady Preston BST Parley's just like us and then he should put convenience in parentheses underneath which I think sums it up pretty well not the best trail in the world but it's right there you know Um, We had Tate Larabee saying Rush, um, uh, Parley's Point Shoreline. I'm assuming that's referring to the same thing. The same one. Kevin Pulley, Tommy's Two-Step. If Tommy's Two-Step is your most ridden trail, you have a great life, man. (laughs) You know, like that means you're doing something right. Dan said Flat Flatkabke, C-A-B-K-E. There have been other spelling errors here that I didn't choose to highlight. But, you know, since it's Dan, I couldn't let that go uh dry creek which is probably nina martin says dry creek which is probably honest
1: it's probably many of us is
0: yeah if we're if we're truthful that was mine for years and years more cory 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 corner canyon uh porky climb jake broussard uh that's another that's another good one sam kilbert says pcmr again if that truly is your most ridden trail congratulations pcmr
1: is not a trail that's Yeah, yeah sam
0: we're gonna call you out there that is not a trail it's a trail system not good enough uh, Pipeline, Charlie Shumway, Carter Buck says Rush. Then finally, well, well, this this was my my question for myself: his favorite piece of gear. I'll I'll just go through these really quick. Miles O'Neill said Maybird Suit. Shout out to Hyperthreads. Um, I I think this is, I th- their stuff really does get better every year. The Hyperthreads, they're making improvements. Like you know their are skits. Oh, they, they, they
1: continuously improve. Yeah, they're
0: yeah. not they're not resting on their laurels. Um, Isaac Boyden says Santa Cruz Blur. Man after my own heart. Um, somebody said the Skyline women's one neck strap bib I'm not familiar with that
1: one neck strap
0: that's what they say I don't know I don't wear women's bibs so uh, congratulations to the Skyline women for having cool bibs Uh, Joe Cochran Shimano XC7 excellent shoe Brady Preston says his new ride Uh, I'll have to take a little bit of credit for that that Pivot Mach 4 SL probably I think the best cross country bike out there all things considered they don't come cheap but um, got his with live valve which is cool Yeah, you, yeah. That's, that's p- kind, kind pivot of, with live valve. Uh, this is you know this, things are going well, right? You know you can't complain if that's your bike. Yeah, right?
1: that that bike should turn heads like a Ferrari. Oh so. yeah,
0: oh yeah. And then Tate Larrabee says my bike. I don't know what Tate Larrabee rides. You know, yeah. off the top of your head, ask Tate Larrabee what he rides. Apparently, it's a good bike. Uh, uh, Kevin police says Fox Step Cast 34. Heck yeah, maybe the best piece of gear in the past five years. I'd, I'd throw out there. Totally agree with Kevin. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Andrew says Patagonia Houdini jacket, like that super packable little rain jacket. I think that's funny because we're in Utah and it never rains, but okay, Andrew. Nina Martin, Oakley sutra lights, also excellent. Tons of people said uh, uh, venture bibs. Tons. Oh, yeah. Venture tons bibs tons. Are awesome. I mean, the one I'm seeing here is from Isaac Parr, but like plenty of people said that. Jake Broussard says rims. I don't know if that just means like rims in general or a particular set of rims, but rims are good. <laughs> Critical part of the cycling experience. I have to call out Miles Baker saying the Schwalbe Racing Ray, Ralph Combo. Um, I th- I like to think of Miles as kind of like my gear protege. You know, it's nice to know there are other people in the world who are as nerdy as I am. And then uh, three or four people said Usui backpacks. So came up in the 12 Days of Gear. I know what I'm talking about. We don't get paid by Usui, but go get that pack. It rocks. Um, and then the final one that we want to do is the best day on the bike in 2022.
1: What about, I liked what Ryder Jordan said on favorite gear
0: oh that's right. i skipped over that Ryder jordan was the, the maybird wool jersey which tons of people say too. like ton, i don't think Ryder listens to this so he won't miss it but um yeah that maybird wool jersey people love that another stroke of genius from hyper threads there um this was when you were wondering about the best day on the bike 2022 was oh the, yeah was the p2p rodeo yeah yeah that was, that,
1: that was my p2p redo and i just felt fantastic the whole day um,
0: yeah i didn't that was a rough day for me. I, I, I wasn't, I don't know how you guys do point to point, but okay. I think I need to do it on not a 34 tooth ring. I don't think that was helping me. I think I'm moving down to a 30 this year. I'm, I'm, I'm there, you know, I feel I'm, I'm getting the old man legs except without the endurance, just slow. Um, but yeah, no, that was a good one. I'll read over these real quick. We had a cool one was Miles O'Neill rode from my house to the top of Hidden Peak. Oh yeah. That's That's a cool one. That's that's a cool cool ride. ride. Isaac Boyden said a 40 mile ride on a Santa Cruz mega tower with Andrew Draper. That's a pretty intense ride too. That's a lot of miles to put on a mega tower. Probably the biggest ride anyone's ever done in one, um, without using lifts. Um, Joe Cochran, park city point to point pre-ride. We had a few people say that pre-ride they did with you. That was, that must've been a pretty epic day.
1: That was fun. Yeah. That was way fun.
0: Oh man. And then Brady Preston, a true grit course with Andrew and the PC fall tour with Heidi. I mean, true grit and park city in the fall. Like that's about as good as it gets. I love true grit. I love that course. Never actually done the race. It's a little expensive. Did you say but, true grit park city? Uh, true, grit, uh, a true grit course. And then he also said park city. Oh, fall okay. tour. So yeah, put into Brady cheated and put into, but it's okay. Cause I agree with him. <laughs> um, and then Seth, Seth KK said orange boys practice.
1: And that's Seth. I don't know. I can't, I can never pronounce his last name. It's got like a whole bunch of consonants and. Okay. Courage Tronin or something like that
0: run and Seth let us know he had it on that <laughs> um, let's see Kevin pulley finishing a four hour ride in PCMR and feeling like I could keep going
1: nice
0: that you know what dude? that's awesome man like I can't finish a four hour ride and feel like I need to keep going i haven't really finished hey okay, Kevin a let's ride.
1: do a six next year Oh
0: okay, Kevin you got a New year's resolution there and then uh, Carter Buck Draper to the top of snowbird that was an excellent day I like that one that was I'm I don't know if we can keep doing that the way that that trail works I think you kind of have to climb up the road now but we'll do that again Andrew said Brighton in the fall. Um Miles said stat W, which I think means state probably. Um Zach Pulley said the girls rides I was invited to. Yeah, man. Like probably not wrong there. Like those those girl rides with with Amy Larkin are are the best. It's about as good as it gets. Um I will say where did it go? Somebody said, I'm, I, uh, uh, somebody said any ride with Amy Larkin. I can't find Oh, you. Nina Martin said. Nina that. Martin, that's right. Yeah. Nina Martin said any ride with, with Amy Larkin. And then finally, Sam kilbert said the the big flannel crest ride with the only Black team and a bunch of Skyline riders. It's another good good as it gets. So 2022 is a good year. You know, 2023 will be good too. I mean, we're already kind of like it, almost halfway through the winter, probably you know I mean we could oh be, yeah like, like
1: the days are getting longer
0: days are getting longer like I feel like by late February you can start riding fairly consistently outside it's a little chilly a little wet um you know not on not on mountain bikes every day but
1: I'm, I'm getting so excited to ride my bike on a path and like in June I would never even dream of riding my bike on a path but like right path yeah. sounds so like much
0: new fun shoreline right. sounds amazing yeah you know like it, anything sounds good right you know now.
1: the winter is a blessing it's it's a forced break and helps helps break things up and yeah
0: I disagree entirely I think it's a evil curse from Satan um, but yeah no 20 I'm looking forward to 2023 this will be good Maybird's gonna grow again you know I, I can't wait to invite more folks into the ranks and um yeah throwing it over to Dan now we, we got to talk about some nerdy trading stuff huh yeah yeah
1: let's do so, so so
0: this is interesting you've I don't know if this is gonna like hijack you out of the gates you've said that everything else we've talked about so far has been like big macro improvement stuff, like stuff that's like super, super important. You kind of admitted to me that this is not the most critical well, let me aspect qualify. of training. Or do you need to qualify that?
1: Okay. So what? one of the aspects I was going to talk about, a lot of coaches place a lot of importance on it. Okay. But science hasn't necessarily proved whether it's beneficial. That's okay. one of the things I'm going to talk about. There's another thing I'm going to talk about, which I wasn't planning on talking about when we you're, spoke earlier. You're
0: springing this on me now. Okay,
1: that is actually extremely important, and I think some fairly
0: low-hanging fruit for a lot of our writers. Should we cl- should we clickbait this and not mention what it is until we talk about the first topic to make sure people actually listen? Well, should we should we hold the second macro topic hostage to listening to the first one?
1: Hmm. It's going to be right in the middle.
0: Okay. All so, right. Well, the, <laughs> Dan and I haven't figured out structure yet, but the, the first one is cadence. Well, actually. No. I, let me, let, it, me, let let's that, back up. Okay. We'll back up. We'll back we are up.
1: going to be talking about cadence. Okay. But first, the, the whole reason I decided to kind of talk about what we're talking about today is I got a text from Jamerson. And,
0: ah, yes. Okay. And it was okay. a
1: pretty good question. And I think it's one that is really good to discuss. His question was, it's
0: short. Okay.
1: His question was, "quote What does neuromuscular mean?" question mark Ooh. End quote. Yeah. So it's just like a super short question.
0: We we did discuss this, and I complained that I kind of I don't like the term neuromuscular because it's like all movement is neuromuscular. Like, for, and I'll say for me is like just a, an out like a boat like a person who doesn't know that much about training. That's like the really hard stuff. That's like above anaerobic, right? Okay,
1: and and you're you're kind of right. Well, you are right. So the the, the interesting thing about this question is there's kind of two definitions Interesting. And, um, so Andy Coggin, when he set up his, his seven zone model, the seventh zone is, he calls it neuromuscular, which is the most intense zone. And I don't really know why he called it that. I don't, I I think there's probably a bit like I would almost call it the enzymatic zone or something. I don't really know why he called it neuromuscular. Um, but that's, that's pro I think that's what actually Jamerson was wondering. He probably saw the neuromuscular zone and was wondering what neuromuscular means. Okay. Um, and so that's kind of one definition. We'll talk about that just really quickly first. And then we'll talk about the second definition, which is probably more commonly thought of through sports in general, rather than just those that look at Andy Coggins table. So, um, so we'll talk about the first definition. Um, neuromuscular, that's like, as I mentioned, Annie Coggins' seventh zone. And it's, it's the most intense zone. So just a quick review on the energy systems. And we're going to do like a whole podcast on energy systems. But there's, there's three basic energy systems. What are they, Joe?
0: Oh, my gosh. I, I'm supposed to quiz you. The three basic energy systems are aerobic. Yes. Anaerobic. Yes. Is, is it neuromuscular? Kind, no.
1: Kind, well, yeah, yeah, kind of. That's what Andy Coggins referred to. I was going to say so,
0: carbs, protein, and fat, but that, <laughs> that wasn't correct. Huh? So, yeah. So the
1: first one's aerobic, okay. which I, I break into two parts. You've got your, your slow twitch, fat-burning aerobic, which is kind of your zones one and two, and then your glycolytic aerobic, which is zones three and four, and then you've got, well, three, four, and five, and then you've got anaerobic, which is typically zones five and six and then you've got um what's called atp slash pc and that's kind of your zone seven okay and so that's not aerobic or anaerobic it's something totally different and and we're just like i said we're just going to talk about this super quick this is be fun to go into more depths later but but basically the atp pc system um it's what you use to like dunk a basketball or climb up a ledge or something on your bike, like super short, super hard bursts of energy. I wouldn't even necessarily say, necessarily say this is sprinting. I'd say it would be kind of the initial part of a sprint, but then your sprint would turn more anaerobic after
0: that. Okay. Um, so, like in a ten-second sprint at the end of the race, like the first two seconds.
1: Well, the first ten would be ATP PC. Okay. So, so how did so. So you have ATP just stored in your muscles, okay? Right. All right. Um, you have enough ATP just stored in your muscles to give you a quick two-second burst of energy. Okay. And this would be like the energy used to dunk a basketball. Okay. Or in your case, to touch the net.
0: I, come on, Dan. Okay. No, that's true. I can't, I'm not going to... I can't dunk. <laughs> I, can't. I can't even get close to dunk. I'm like 5'11 and a cyclist. I'm, I'm, I'm a ways off dunking.
1: Okay, yeah. So that's, that's the stored ATP... In your system, so after two seconds, um, your your body gives off one of the one of the phosphate bonds, and it becomes ADP. Then the ADP is combined combined with creatine phosphate to become ATP again. And so it's it's completely like an enzymatic process. It's completely chemical. Enzymes. Yeah. Okay. And that gives you about ten seconds of really extreme power. Okay. So like if you're just trying to hit your max wattage and you can do it for about 10 seconds, that's the ATP PC system, which is what Andrew Coggan was referring to as neuromuscular, which I really, like I said, I don't think it's probably the best way to describe that level of power. Um, so, so yeah, so that's the first definition. The second definition of neuromuscular is what I think the rest of the world probably thinks of when... The rest of the,
0: like, outside of cycling?
1: Well, outside of in and within cycling, too. Outside of... And I think the the second one's probably what we should be referring to when we talk about neuromuscular, because um, what does neuromuscular mean? Like, neuro, that refers to nerves. Br-
0: well, and this ne- is this is my complaint, that, like... All movement is neuromuscular, right like there's nothing that's purely muscular your brain's involved in everything right,
1: yeah, but it's really under- really important to understand the relationship between your neurology and your muscles you know mm-hmm. and and that's what neuromuscular kind of refers to okay so um so this kind of got me thinking about like technique and and coordination, like what is coordination basically it's your you know the ability of your your mind and your um, your nerves to control different motor units in a sequential way that makes it so you can
0: do whatever efficiently
1: it is you're do. Right. do a task. Right. You know? So, so how important do you think this is in cycling?
0: Well, my, my immediate instinct would say, compared to a lot of sports, I would assume less because you're kind of just doing the same. And I mean, maybe mountain biking is is different, but like on a road bike you're just kind of sitting there pedaling right and there's like like there's there's. you'd think there's technique that would come into descending and that mountain biking is probably even more involved but compared to like i don't know a lot of other sports like running i would imagine techniques more important but this is I'm, i'm assuming that because you're asking me i'm wrong but i think that's what that's what most people would assume right
1: well yeah but that's that's kind of where a good way to illustrate just how important it is um how important technique can be in the sport because like take swimming, for instance, you know, like both you or I, if someone threw us into a swimming pool, we could swim to the other side and oh, save,
0: speak for yourself, man,
1: save our lives. If,
0: if I fall into the water and I don't have like a, a floating, like a Titanic hanging on the door sort of situation, I'm giving up. Even if I had a hanging on the door situation, I'm giving up like in the, my technique in the water is bad.
1: Yeah. Like I can swim across the pool. Okay but it takes about every ounce of energy i have i look like garbage i'm splashing people on the other end of the pool and it's it's probably somewhat comical i mean my my technique and my efficiency is absolutely terrible yeah you know i'm burning i'm using so much more energy than someone that's like a really accomplished sleek swimmer that that has the technique
0: and, and and so forth, right? And and I, I should say, I, I'm, I'm joking. I'd be like, I'm like I'm this like I could maybe swim across a pool and back. As a pretty fit person who rides my bike every day, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a good cyclist. Um, I don't lack for like fitness, right? Um, but there's probably some ninety year old guy at the rec center who could outswim me because I have zero technique.
1: Yeah, and, and and it translates to bike cycling too. Like your technique is extremely important to how efficient you are and you know like for, for professional riders you know that are already near their genetic VO2 max this is one of the places where they can actually find improvement um, they can kind of find some marginal gains there like for a lot of our riders their pedaling technique is so poor and inefficient that they could gain tons of efficiency. And when you
0: say tons of efficiency, what you mean is free watts. Yeah, free speed. Free free watts. You yeah. Know, like, uh, which there aren't a whole lot of things that we talk about where there are actually like free watts on offer, you know?
1: You know, I I, I kind of compare it to just like improving your downhill skills and, and competency. You know, that's, that's free speed.
0: Kind of like doesn't take any more effort, but you go faster.
1: Well, you, it, it, yeah, it takes like less effort and
0: you go right. faster. Right. So pretty sweet deal.
1: Uh, yeah, I think... I think it's worth, worth giving it a go, you know? Um, yeah. So, and, and, you know, as we kind of mentioned on our, on our power meter podcast, we are only about 25% efficient, which means like to put 250 Watts into our pedals, our body has to produce about a thousand Watts worth, worth of energy, Hmm. which mostly is dissipated as heat.
0: Right. Kind of like a car engine. Yeah. Like an internal combustion engine, isn't it something crazy? Like 80% of it goes off in heat and noise and other stuff that's not moving you forward.
1: I think I've heard that somewhere, but it's, it's right. very similar. The body's
0: similar, right? Like yeah. there's, it's, you're producing a ton of energy and only a fraction of it actually turns into moving yeah. you.
1: You know, and, and we can affect that efficiency number a bit, but what we can really improve is our pedaling economy, hmm. which refers more specifically to the actual movements involved in our pedaling. Got and, it. And there can be you know, there can be huge improvements that are available there by improving, uh, by improving that just as like a, a skilled swimmer versus an unskilled swimmer is going to use a lot right. less energy to accomplish the same thing. Right, right. So, so super important. Um, so yeah, so let's, let's talk just a second about, about pedaling technique. I mean, okay. a lot of people think, you know, like, especially if you're clipped in and your legs are just going around in a circle, what kind of technique like how can you get it wrong
0: what I used to think that and and really wrong is the answer even if you're clipped in um, you know and that, um, there are some people who kind of push back against putting beginners in clips because of this right they think that you should learn good pedaling form before you go into clips because if you just go into I don't I don't I don't think I agree with that camp but that's the kind of argument, yeah, I, right? I that think.
1: Like, yeah, and I'm I'm not. I, I,
0: put put your kids in clips. But the point the well, point is somewhat valid. I was just right? going to say,
1: as far as the flat pedals versus clip pedals, there are some good things you learn on flat pedals. But I, I think that once they can ride somewhat safely without falling over, they're going to be faster in the clipped in yeah, pedals.
0: But the point there is that like. Um, it, it is. A, and you know, when I said up, up front that like cycling requires less coordination, I was kind of trying to play into your thing. I really do know that like, um, like this is something that pro cyclists work on and stuff. Right. And it's, it's like, they always say like, try to ride like you're scraping mud off your toe or whatever. Right. Is that kind of what you're going at there? Like,
1: yeah. So there's, so some things that you can watch for that would improve your, your pedaling technique. The first one is making sure that your knees and your legs are kind of firing straight up and down.
0: This is why I always have, if you've watched my Instagram stories, I always try to spin with a mirror in front of me so I can watch my knees and and make sure. And I
1: always spin with a mirror in front of me too. It's not out of vanity. It's just so.
0: I hate seeing myself. It looks awful. I'm not, we're not. Trust me, Dan and I aren't doing this out of vanity. It's very practical. (laughs) It's not much to see. Yeah, but
1: it it really is helpful to look at your knees and make sure they're firing straight up and down and they're not shooting out to the side like a lot of old men do or diving into the bars like a lot of kids do, you know. Um, yeah, you want those firing and that, that is just, it's going to be more efficient. I mean, you're, you're kind of wasting some movement by making your knee move out six inches, you know, right. and, and it's also harder on your joints if they're, right if they're not just firing straight up and down. So that's, that's like a first one. Um, uh, this one's super important is most amateurs, like one of the biggest things or one a, a huge thing that separates pro riders from ana- amateur riding is their their pedaling techniques right um and one of the big differences there is that beginner or amateur riders are probably quite frankly most of us are going to produce most of our power at about the three o'clock position when we're pedaling okay and that's because that's similar to how we walk and how we run right and a pro rider is going to start producing most of their power just after 12 o'clock yeah and you can only imagine that if you're if that much more of your pedal stroke you're applying your maximum power to you're gonna you're gonna go faster right
0: well in my mind if you're starting at three o'clock on both feet there's like a quarter of the stroke that you're completely screwing up and if you're starting at 12 on both you could theoretically have almost continuous power right
1: which is which is kinda the goal really um so like a professional rider what they're gonna do is at about 12 o'clock they're gonna kick forward and then have constant pressure from like one to six. Right. And then at six o'clock, they don't, it's not like you're scraping mud off your foot, but you are pulling your foot backwards. Right. And then our legs are super heavy. Right. Yeah. Like they're a considerable percentage of our body weight. Right. And so you don't want to give that leg a free ride up. Right. You know, you're, you don't want to be pushing like, I'm I'm just guessing like 40 pounds worth of leg. I have no idea. I'm like,
0: gonna look this up. You keep talking. I'm gonna look at okay. how much a, a a human like a like an adult male leg weighs. Okay,
1: you don't want to give a this this human leg a free ride up. So you at least or any gotta, other kind of leg. <laughs> you at least gotta um get it out of the way, you know, so to speak, and and you also want the you know the the pressure to be tangential, which means like. You're basically keeping your foot somewhat level throughout the, the whole stroke. You're not, like, pushing your, your toe down using your calf at part of the, the stroke. That makes it so you need, like, a higher saddle, and it also fatigues your calves quicker, which can cause cramping and so forth. Okay.
0: Here, they say on average a human leg weighs, a single leg weighs about 18% of your, of, of your total body weight. And I would say for cyclists it's probably a little higher. Okay. So for a cyclist... So, like,
1: 36% of your body weight is I your bet, legs. I yeah. bet it's
0: more like 40 if you're well, a cyclist that's true because so if you weigh you know like uh i don't know like i weigh like 180 ish pounds like 20 percent of that 36 pounds like think about how heavy like a 25 pound dumbbell is like yeah. even more than that wow i'd never thought about this before that's kind of wild huh yeah huh cool anatomy facts with joe and dan Look at that.
1: <laughs> so so yeah so just really focusing on kind of kicking forward making sure your pressure starts at about 12, one o'clock all the way down to six and then kicking back, getting that leg out of the way, you know, and that's just one leg. And you've got to do that with the other leg at the opposite time. Right. Um, That takes, that takes a lot of coordination and a lot of developing, but it's something that really is one of the main things that separates a you know a, a top cyclist from an amateur well it, and
0: if, if you've watched cycling long enough you can see it you can see which riders if you had two riders who looked exactly the same on the same bike wearing the same stuff you could if you have a good eye you can pick out which one's the pro by looking at their at their pedaling form
1: yeah they it's beautiful right like it's an art form how smooth and how circular and they're not mashing it's like a dance almost it's 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 really it's beautiful um so so how do you develop
0: this I mean, so, my my instinct would be to say like time on the bike, but well, not necessarily. Not huh?
1: necessarily. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd say eventually. Naturally, someone that's gonna that's been riding a lot of time will naturally have a better better pedal stroke.
0: But you uh, could th- just kind of stick with a bad one You y- have it be a bad could. habit, right? Exactly. You know, your descending doesn't necessarily get better as you do it more, right? No, unless, unless why you're trying.
1: Yeah, yeah, unless you're trying to improve it. Um, you know, there's there's some ways to improve it. I, th- I think one of the biggest ways is to what, when you're like, when you're riding sometimes is to focus on one leg at a time, just like work on one leg, make sure that leg is, is pedaling with good technique, then work on the other and then try to combine them both, you know, but, but really focusing on one leg at a time is a good way to develop that. Um, one of the best ways and, and I do this a lot of times on the train or I'll even do it sometimes when I'm riding outside, it looks like it looks weird is doing like riding with a single leg Hmm. because your pedaling has to be perfect to be able to ride with a single leg. So what I'll do is I'll ride single on one leg, ride single on another leg and then put them together and you can just really, like if, if you're if your form is bad with a single leg, you're just going to be clonking around and you're going to hear your cassette clinking a lot. And, um, it's a really, really good place to, to practice good good mm. pedaling techniques. Um, I would say the biggest thing, though, is just focusing on this on all your endurance rides. Just not just when you're doing drills, but just be more cognizant all the time of of how smooth your pedaling
0: is. Uh, I'm going to spring a question on you, and you might make me cut this because you need to research it. Um, the whole pitch, Dan's done that before if we keep this in here, uh, the whole pitch with Q rings is that they like correct deficiencies in your pedal stroke or that they make your pedal stroke more efficient. Um, I've noticed that they've become a lot less popular with professional writers over the last few years. Have you run into anything in the literature about like using Q rings? Um, so a lot it's, just it's really an quick, easy
1: thing to study
0: if you haven't heard uh, rings that are like uh, oval shaped instead of circle shaped Cir- uh, Circle shaped. what are your thoughts on that
1: it's it's a fairly easy thing to study there are people that have studied it hmm. and there has been nothing conclusive whether it helps or hurts
0: yeah like some people like it yeah I, I hate it I personally. hate it too they drive me nuts but I guess it makes sense right like that it would you know I, well I guess it doesn't make sense I'm not smart enough to explain it which means it doesn't make sense to me but like <laughs>
1: And basically gives you a bigger gear during the part of your pedal stroke that you have more power,
0: okay, which i yeah i I get, and it's like Chris Froome was really famous for using those ridiculous i you'll have to show you the rings he used looked insane, it was like a square almost um but like I can tell you that like off the top of my head, I can't think of another good professional cyclist who uses them right now,
1: yeah, and I have tried them, and it it really does make things feel smooth to me though it made it feel like when i was riding outside it made it feel like i was riding on the trainer for some reason
0: hmm. it, Interesting.
1: it felt it felt almost a little artificial because
0: i stole andrew's bike a few days ago and he had q rings and it was like i could ride and it was fine but it, it bugged me maybe yeah. i'd get used to it over time so i don't know basically the jury's out on q rings try them if you like it and you like it's funny really I, I,
1: I i put one on amy's bike just because we had one right and, and like she, one. she had no idea like she didn't even notice the difference so
0: okay well i i did Yeah, they drive me nuts. Sorry. Carry
1: on. little. little. So, you know, one thing I want you to try is like, you know, when you're riding on the trainer, keep your like, keep your RPE, your rate of perceived exertion the same. Okay. Okay. And, And just be riding normally and then maybe even mashing on the pedals a little bit. Keep your RPE about the same and then try to really focus on a really good pedaling technique with both legs. Just try to get like perfect circles, and keep your RP the same. But watch your wattage. Watch and your, your power just shoot up. And your heart rate, and see if we'll see what happens.
0: It should be that your power goes up and your heart rate stays in the same place, right?
1: At least your power is going to go up. Okay, for sure. I don't know about your heart rate. That that depends. We'll talk about that in a sec. But okay. But yeah, that's, that's a really fun thing to try. Cause I'll be, I'll be pedaling on the trainer. I'll be kind of mashing the pedals a little bit. And all of a sudden I start to focus on good technique. I keep my RPE the same, watch my wattage and you can get a good 20 Watts. I 20, mean, I should okay, say maybe not. I'm mean, maybe I'm exact. You can get a decent amount five of wattage. watts
0: is huge. Like when people buy those like $1,000 ceramic speed, oversized pulley wheels or like a $400 ceramic bottle bracket, 5 watts is your best case scenario in terms yeah. of gains there.
1: And, and I just pulled the number 20 out of physics. But that would be I'm insane. not guaranteeing that. Yeah. But you will notice several watts.
0: I bet there are people listening to this whose form is bad enough that they have close to 20 watts on offer.
1: There probably are people that yeah, that, yeah if they if their form is bad me. enough, you could under the right circumstances 20 watts is not 20 watts asterisk. <laughs> so so, Joe, have you heard of a term called motor engram? Motor what? Engram. E N G R A M.
0: No, I literally this never is kind of cool. life.
1: This is kind of cool. I doubt okay. it, but try me. All right. Okay, so according to Physiopedia, the definition is physical and biochemical change in neural tissue that represents a memory.
0: So the, like, what, so like, like brains have like all the little squiggly marks all over them, right? Like, like, is that what we're well, talking about well,
1: here? Not <coughs> just in the brain. Like this is like in our, our, our nerves throughout our bodies. Really Can, quick.
0: I have to go back. That is the most anatomically ignorant thing. Any human being has ever <laughs> said my comment a second ago, any educated people <laughs> listening to this. I, I promise your I'm not brain around. has
1: squiggly things.
0: No, I've, You're I've heard wrong. that before. No, that like there are actual physical changes in the brain when a memory is made. Right. And that's how like yeah, Alzheimer's yeah. and stuff works. Right. Right. Again, okay, I'm going to stop talking about medical okay. stuff because I have so, no idea. I'm, yeah,
1: yeah so, so these are actually changes to your neurons okay. throughout your body that, that basically makes it so you can perform a task with, with little or very little input from your cerebellum, which normally controls movement.
0: So like, so like walking.
1: So I, I honestly, it's kind of a fancy term for for muscle memory.
0: Because I was going to say like like they say it's like it's like riding a bike. Once you do it, you, yeah. you always know how to do it or whatever, right?
1: And and they say it takes it it takes thousands of repeti- repetitions to create these motor engrams, and it takes millions to perfect them.
0: Interesting. But okay.
1: you know, like think of like a baseball pitcher. How many times they've practiced pitching a baseball or like. How many times do you think like an NBA player has shot, shot a free throw, you know, not as
0: many as I've pedaled,
1: And <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. So, um, but it's important that we practice good technique, not just when we're doing like one single leg drills or on the trainer, but when we're riding, because what if you're, you're creating these motor engrams. Oh,
0: like bad ones. Bad ones. Oh, Hey. Yeah. Cause that, those are hard to beat. Yeah. You know, it would be like trying to teach, like, it's almost like uh have you seen those like reverse bikes where they make it? So when you steer one way, it turns the other way. Yeah. It's impossible. Like, isn't it like it takes like months for people to learn how to ride those because you have to completely reteach your brain how to do this like subconscious process. Right. Is that almost, so like this is interesting. Like if you could be riding every single day, with bad pedaling technique and creating neural pathways for bad pedaling technique that are going to be really, really hard to fix. It's going to be harder to fix.
1: Yeah. And that's why I'm thinking that's like the people, you know, the people listening to this are young writers, right? I'd, I'd start practicing good pedaling techniques now early in the season.
0: Yeah. Or else you look like Dan, you know, (laughs) Sorry, uh, that was low hanging fruit, but uh, so it was a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah. So, um, so anyhow, let's let's switch gears a little. That's kind of funny. Oh, that so bad. You, you,
0: you never again. <laughs> okay. Never again. I'm okay with puns, just not that one. Okay, I've never said that on this podcast. I'd I like to think. <laughs>
1: All right, carry well, on,
0: Dan. So. Let's talk about cadence. Okay, so this is what I, I I should say. I thought we were just talking about cadence today. I know I said like let's talk about cadence, and then you're like, well, actually, we're going to talk about like neural pathways and neuromuscular stuff, and and yeah. So
1: okay, so the 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 that part, the pedaling technique thing, is going to be a huge gain. Okay, cadence it kind of depends a little
0: so bit. So this is what I said. You were saying earlier, like maybe it's it's not like uh like like pedaling technique will make you faster. We're, cadence, we're not sure. It depends. Right? It depends. The, it yeah. Could. There's
1: there's some okay know? all right so like first off joe let's just ask you okay is there an ideal cadence
0: i'm sure there is i there has to like scientifically in in under lab conditions i'm sure there is there must be right
1: and the answer is going to be it depends okay. it depends it's it's different for different people. questions
0: where the answer is it depends it's that's always so lame. the answer i hate how nuanced the world is everything shouldn't be shades of gray it should all be black and white
1: okay <laughs> so um Amateur riders tend to begin with a lower cadence and okay. more professional riders tend to
0: gravitate towards a faster cadence. So we, in cycling, we say grinding or spitting. Yeah. You know, fair. Like, you know, I always kind of felt like I was a grinder when I was a, well, I should say that a different way. I always felt like I kind of erred on the side of lower cadence when I was new. And then I've, I've learned that like, or at least like the best segment times I've done on Strava, my best days, I felt like my cadence was a little higher. But maybe that's just, you know, in my head now.
1: Well, and it's actually kind of confusing there because um, it's jumping ahead just a little bit, but lower cadences are technically more efficient. You've told me that before. But they're actually slower and less powerful. So.
0: Huh. Okay, we have. Okay, this is right. We've, we've. Dan and I have had boring conversations about this before. We'll jump into that later. I'll let you go as your notes say. I don't know if you guys can tell. Dan didn't send me his notes today, so I'm kind of uh, jumping all over the map. But I'll let you get back. Which we'll... makes it fun. Yeah. Right. So,
1: so, we talked about like in our last episode, which I don't think anyone really listened to about power meters, um, about watts. Right. And we kind of said a watt is a watt. Right. Right. Which is kind of the beauty of power meters is that Watts are kind of universal, whereas speed and RPE can, you know, aren't as definitive. But if you are riding steady at 200 Watts, okay, does that have, does it have the same effect on what your body's doing internally? If your cadence is 60 RPM versus 110
0: watts are watts but efficiency is a separate part of the of the equation right so like basically um we we, we've said that like lower cadence is more efficient because there's less movement right so
1: the the lower cadence more efficient thing don't worry about that very much that's not that
0: important okay
1: um it's a technicality almost okay okay um, but there's there are huge differences to what's happening internally when you're riding at 60 RPM versus 110, even though you're maintaining you know 200 watts or whatever. Um, so let's just kind of compare and contrast okay. low cadence versus high cadence. So when you're when you're riding at a low cadence, you're actually recruiting more of your type two. A fibers.
0: Remind us again what that is.
1: So those are your kind of mid twitch. They're your fast twitch that are, that operate aerobically.
0: Okay. When you're riding at low cadence.
1: When you're riding at low cadence, you're using more of your, your kind of, we'll call them middle twitch fibers rather than your slow twitch. If you're riding at higher cadence, as long as it's not extremely high cadence, um, you're using more slow twitch muscles, which fatigue slower, right? Right. You know. oh, okay, that makes sense. So so that would be kind of, you know, from a, an endurance standpoint, you could probably ride longer if you're spinning faster because you're using more slow twitch muscles, which fatigue slower.
0: We mentioned this earlier when we we're talking about that point-to-point ride that I'm, I, I really think I want to go to a smaller chain ring because on these long rides, I feel like if you compared your average cadence on that ride with mine, we are riding together at the same speed, my average cadence would be, a lot lower, and I feel like my legs were completely shot halfway through that, even though we were climbing the same stuff, probably doing, you know approximately the same power and whatnot. Is that kind of the... Yeah. The you know, I, I think
1: the bigger chain ring would be great for a cross-country race, you know, right, an XC right. race, but...
0: Which is why I've always favored like a 34 on an Eagle setup with a 10-tooth on the cassette. But I'm thinking now for the kind of writing I want to do, okay, so this is interesting. I, I unintentionally had an impression tie-in earlier. That's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Is this what it's like to be prepared? <laughs> I'd never know. I've always kind of gone off the seat of my pants, but carry on.
1: Yeah, so... um yeah, so, so a higher cadence, you're probably going to fatigue slower. Okay. Um, so low cadence training, it actually interestingly converts type 2B, which are your super fast-twitch muscles, to more aerobic and beneficial 2A fibers. So so there are some benefits to training low cadence. Um, when, when you're training, um, when you're riding at, at high cadence, and I think this is super interesting and... Is, is that you actually have a skeletal muscle pump that increases as your, as your cadence increases that will increase your blood flow and your venous return. And you can actually increase, like say, say you're riding at a constant um, wattage and you increase your, your cadence from like 70 to 110 RPM. That can actually increase your cardiac output by about 34%, according to a, a study I was reading.
0: 34%. Mm-hmm. That's enormous.
1: Yeah. you know, it, Whoa. Yeah. So like I said, as your legs are, are moving faster, it increases that skeletal muscle pump, which increases your cardiac output. And I was playing around with this on the trainer the other day, you know, and...
0: You have such a fun, interesting life, Dan. Wow.
1: You know, and, and you can see as you keep your your wattage the same but increase your cadence, it does increase your heart rate.
0: I was going to ask about that time earlier because I was like, what if your heart rate? I'm like, obviously your power is going to go up if your pedal strokes more efficient or whatever. But um, your heart, so wow, why is that? It's it's because of that
1: skeletal muscle pump, huh. and, and it yeah, it just yeah,
0: can't explain deeper than that though.
1: Well, yeah, I mean it's just increasing your whole you're just circulating more blood by pumping more blood through your system. Huh? Yeah. So
0: interesting. I'd never thought about this before. I will say I've at least made some kind of an effort to like pay attention to my cadence over the last little bit. And it's been kind of frustrating. Cause I'm like, I don't really know how to change this. I just sort of do whatever's most comfortable. Like in the real world is the, is the takeaway from this that people should try to aim for a higher cadence or a lower cadence? Well, kind the of there's,
1: there's still a trade-off like, um, so a higher cadence is more stressful on your cardiovascular system. Okay. A lower cadence is more stressful on your muscular system.
0: So as in all things, the, the real answer is to find the correct balance, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay.
1: Um, so, so high cadence, this is really important to point out, if, if you're doing like a VO2 max type interval you really want to do that at a higher cadence because with VO2 max intervals, you're trying to improve your cardiovascular system.
0: This makes sense. So it would almost be like defeating the point to try and do VO2 max stuff at really low cadences. It, yeah, right? it would really defeat the purpose. Okay. Yeah. And conversely, are there some intervals you want to do at lower cadences?
1: Yes. Um, they're like, like, for instance, like a, a lot of times like sweet spot type work because the whole point of sweet spot is you're trying to get, like, threshold benefits at riding slightly under threshold. Right. And so if you're doing, like, a, a sweet spot effort, you're getting some of the... You're getting, like, a muscular... Like, a threshold-type muscular strain with a, rever- a reduced cardiovascular strain, and which which kind of lessens the um, autonomic hormone response. So if you do like doing sweet spot workouts at a lower cadence can actually make them less costly on your body from a recovery standpoint. Hmm. So
0: which isn't nothing. I mean, like we've we've discussed before, that's a big deal, right?
1: Yeah. Another interesting thing, too, like if you're if you're riding at elevation, like say you're doing nationals at Winter Park or something, lowering your cadence can actually lessen the strain on your cardiovascular system interesting so yeah so there's a benefit of lower so the
0: real kit- answer here is just be aware of how these things work and and apply them appropriately depending on the situation right
1: yeah but in general I would um, in general I would try to gravitate towards a higher cadence okay because you're training more of your your slow twitch muscles and it's going to improve your it's it, basically you're going to be faster um hmm. Yeah, like like cuz like we've used the analogy before, you know, like we've talked about before, you know, when you, when we're climbing up like rattlesnake gulch or something, you're you're putting it
0: you're working so You're working hard. so
1: hard, your RPMs are like 30. But yeah, it's so steep and then your power is not. Your power's pretty low. Your power's
0: pretty low. Basically
1: yeah. to to be able to achieve a high power, you also need to be comfortable with higher cadences.
0: Okay. And as always, power is power. That's that's how you win races, right? Like that's as close to a, you know, yeah,
1: power is power. But here we're just establishing that at that given power, your body can be doing something different to to, get to achieve power, to get right? that power, you okay. know. And with with low cadence, it's a higher strain on your muscles. With high cadence, it's a higher strain on your cardiovascular system. So, um, so the the thing that I would say would be controversial is a lot of coaches recommend low cadence training. Um, it's a lot of really world-class coaches will have their af- athletes do low cadence training.
0: It's fashionable right now?
1: No, no, it's, it was fa- it's been fashionable for a long time. Okay. Science has not been able to prove a benefit, yet hmm. world-class coaches still encourage their athletes to, to do low cadence training. Why? Yeah, well, you know, um, we we talked about kind of the sweet spot benefit where you're kind right. of getting threshold benefits at a lower cardiac output, less less strain on on that system. Um, it's also thought to improve your ability for your muscles to maintain under strain, like muscular endurance. Okay. Um, but the the thing is in I don't think it's 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 a terrible sub you get better benefits from spending time in the gym than you would doing low cadence training okay um, you know and for me personally, I usually don't recommend it because one most of our athletes are newer riders who tend to spend too much time at lower cadences anyway, yeah. Um, I don't think it needs to really be encouraged at this point in their training. And two, I think as mountain bikers, we do naturally get a lot of low cadence training just because, like, you know, we're riding up steep hills where we right. can't really do more than
0: sixty RPM. Like for road bikers living in the Midwest, maybe yeah, encourage some low I w- cadence exactly. We're kind of organically. It happens. Lunch. It
1: happens naturally. We, for so,
0: us. if you're listening to this, probably don't worry about like you know considering most of our audience and whatnot. I do have a question for you. Okay. Um, I know that somebody's listening to this saying, what about my knees? Is low, like the kind of thought being that like low cadence is harder on your knees. Do you have any, is there any good science to back that up? Or would you say if you have knee problems, aim for higher cadences? Or is that, I don't know.
1: You know, it can be, but I would say that if you're having knee problems, it's probably coming from somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's probably more like, you know, like uh, about your glutes or your hips or your core or something rather than riding at 60 RPM versus a hundred RPM.
0: Okay. So pro- take long and short of it is like, if you have existing knee problems and riding it really low cadences hurts your knees, don't do that. But other than that, probably don't sweat it too much. Yeah. Like if a parent's listening to this and you're like, oh, but I don't want my kid. Like, is this going to destroy their knees or no, should I it, like don't sweat that. Basically,
1: I would right? say there's other things that would be a bigger worry than, than low cadence. I do like the, the one low cadence workout that I do recommend, um, you know, is like occasionally climbing like obliterator or, um, rattlesnake or something. I, th- I think that is a good way to maintain strength, but really most of your muscle strength isn't going to come from on the bike. It's going to come from in the gym. Okay. Um, Yeah. As far as like, I do think that it's good for our riders to probably practice some higher cadence stuff. Um, That's really good to do on the trainer and probably, probably the best drills for that would be, you know, initially kind of like the single leg drills and and like where you're kind of focusing on one leg at a time and then see if you can spin at 110 RPM without bouncing on the seat.
0: Ooh, that's a good one.
1: Yeah, that's kind of a good test to see how smooth your pedal stroke is because there's people that can spin up to like 180, like some of the track guys. Yeah, you, see,
0: you always see on Instagram the track, the ridiculous track Hulk looking people on their like track bikes, on the rollers or whatever, doing like 200, yeah. 220 RPMs or whatever.
1: You know, and that takes a lot of neuromuscular coordination to be able to get to that point. That takes a lot of practice.
0: God, look at it all tied together beautifully at the end like this. Yeah, it was wow. nice. So nice, Dan. Well done.
1: But yeah, you know, if I had to just kind of wrap it up, I would say that we should all be a little more cognizant as we ride of how smooth our pedal stroke is. And especially early in the season when we're doing a lot of endurance type riding, even a lot of riding on paths and roads and trainers to maybe spend a little more time just really focusing on good pedaling technique. And it's, it's only going to make you faster.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. As always, if you guys have any questions, send them in. I think this would be interesting to do follow-ups on. Um, I'm If I get a chance to spend a lot of time on the bike over the next week, I'll try that. Do some of the, um, the high cadence stuff. See if I bounce around. You guys try this too. Um, those of you with power meters or trainers, report back the findings. And um, if you have any questions, you folks know where to send them. Thanks. All right. Thanks folks.